Welcome to the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast with your hosts, Ken Wyrock, Matthew Betts, and Matt Okada. Welcome back to the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast. And we had all seven rounds of NFL draft goodness this last weekend. Mm-mm. Did you guys enjoy it? Yes. You had a good time? It yeah. was so good, Kent. And listen, I had a very busy weekend, so I didn't do a lot of shaving, and I'm feeling very hairy. <laughs> oh, you know what I mean? Oh, boy. Let's the hints go. are coming already. Okada, I uh, thought I, you were just going straight for what we talked about pre-pod, <laughs> which was the fact that I have terrible facial hair and look disgusting right now <laughs> for our listeners that can't see. Uh, but yes, what a weekend. Um, maybe not the best for fantasy, but gosh, it's just so fun to have the NFL back in our lives. So I was super excited, and I know our guest was as well. Yeah, and uh, I'm excited to talk about all these rookie landing spots. There are some interesting ones, and to help us out with that, we have the assistance of one Travis May, a good friend of the show, working now for uh, Rotoviz Dynasty Command Center. Travis, how did you enjoy the draft? Uh, right there by the stage. That's how I did it. <laughs> that was a lot of fun. It was just, uh, it was just great that it was here in Nashville, and so, I mean, I had to walk like just over a mile from where I worked to the stage. It was just a harrowing journey. I don't know how I made it, but, uh, yeah, it was, it was fantastic. I actually got to hang out with, uh, somebody you guys know and Justin McCasland, uh, you know, the long time TFA, uh, member and, uh, yep. co-host of, uh, the dynasty life podcast, uh, with me. And so that was just great actually meeting him in person and getting to enjoy the draft and, uh, yeah, it was just a crazy mess of humanity, but enjoyed every minute of it. Well, that is awesome. Good to hear. Um, so with that being said, let's go ahead and swing on over to the news before we get into those rookie landing spots. I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story, and I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. So this was a bit of draft news that also wasn't really draft news, but let's talk about it real quick. Uh, Josh Rosen got traded to the Dolphins for pick uh, 62 in the second round and then a 2025th rounder. Uh, Do you guys have any interest in Josh Rosen now that he's not with the Cardinals? I would Uh, say, I mean, when you look at what his value was just a week ago compared to where it's at now, I mean, he at least has a chance to be a starter this season and potentially beyond, depending on what shakes out there in Miami. Um, so I think it definitely increases his value long term in that you know that aspect. But he's going to a situation that's largely similar to what it was in Arizona before the draft um, in Miami, where it's not going to be a great year for them as a team. And so you have to wonder what that really means for his upside as a player for fantasy. Uh, not much interest in redraft, obviously, but dynasty. I think it gives him a little. A little bit of life. Well, he's got to beat out Fitz Magic. I mean, come on, that's not going to happen right away. Tall he's going to throw pass. five touchdowns per game and four hundred yards. That, no, is no. Oh, eh, not likely. <laughs> not likely. Uh, no. Probably never going to happen again. But something to keep an eye on. I think, like you said, his value bumped up a little bit. I think the Dolphins are slightly less of a chaotic situation than the Cardinals, although not much. So uh, we'll keep an eye on that. Um, up next on the news docket, 
Got to give a little bit of an update on Tyreek Hill. We actually, on the last show, were going to talk about it, but I took it out because almost immediately after, uh, there was an update that the child had been removed from the household and that uh, now Tyreek Hill has been put on the, or will be put possibly on the commissioner's exempt list. Uh, there was an audio release that was kind of disturbing. You could probably find it if you want to. If you, I don't recommend it. It's uh, pretty bad stuff. So there's a lot of bad stuff in in the corner for Tyreek Hill right now, and it's not looking good. He could get cut. Uh, what are you guys' thoughts on Hill's situation at this point now? Just sad. I mean, yeah, you have to just assume uh, at this point that uh, he he could be gone. Uh, forever really from football because uh, mm-hmm. given his horrific past uh i won't even repeat what he already did years ago but i mean he clearly uh, a disturbed person uh at the very least it, it, regardless of what he exactly did <laughs> um just to even say what was uh, on the recording uh, is a little bit uh a little bit off so I'm staying as far away from him as as I possibly can, uh, but trading him away, there's really no value to be had either, just for a practical dynasty purpose either. So it's just uh, stuck between a rock and a hard place with with Tyreek if he's on your roster right now. Yeah, I'm guessing we'll get in a little bit to why I think this, but I 100% believe that he will be gone from the Chiefs probably in the coming weeks, uh, if not earlier. And will be gone from the NFL for some time. He may eventually get back. We'll see that we've seen that kind of thing happen a little bit, but we've also seen it not happen uh, in other similar situations. But I don't think there's literally any way that he's playing for the Chiefs this season. Yeah, that's probably a good way to look at it. And I, I got to assume at this point in time that Sammy Watkins' value has spiked pretty significantly. And then. Um, there might be a couple other guys. Uh, I'm not sure. Maybe we'll talk about one today. We'll find out. But uh, let's go ahead and move on to the next piece of news. The Colts have signed Spencer Ware to a one-year, $1.3 million contract. And you know what that means, fellas? I do. Play it. Play it. I know. That the Chiefs will have a new running back in 2020. Oh, sorry, Travis. Sorry, Travis. You. Did you I, hear that? I totally, I totally played it over top. What did, what did you say? <laughs> I said that the Chiefs will have a new running back in 2020. Ooh, ah, okay. That hurts. That Kent hurts me a loves little Marlon on a Mack personal very, level. Very much, Travis, on a deep personal level. So, <sighs> yeah, you know, look. I mean, I I've been saying it for a while. 2019 was not the year to go get a new running back. So I I mm. can understand that perspective. And Marlon Mack is no world beater, but for the time being. He owns this backfield. With no, yeah, actually, I, I, I'm pumped for Marlon Mack too. I just uh, Spencer Ware just made me think of uh, the mess and the, and the Chiefs and everything. But yeah, oh, man, yeah. I actually I I bought up some Marlon Mack and I I, be, I believe he could stick. Actually, uh, he also might lose his job in 2020, as many might as well. But that's been the assumption. I feel like ever since he in, entered the league, I, I I can't believe how many analysts just really from draft day. We're just like, oh yeah, he's not going to stick. I mean, he, he he doesn't weigh enough. He didn't he didn't play for a power five school. Whatever. Insert bad argument here. Um, he's just held on to the job, and and this past year was really effective. Uh, had over a thousand yards and ten touchdowns in twelve games. Yeah. So uh, not really sure what's to dislike with Marlon Mack. With every single draft pick that went by, 
my love and excitement for Marlon Mack grew more and more and more the more that the Colts passed on him. Um, yeah, this podcast is officially, <laughs> last year we were officially a Browns podcast. I think this year we're going to officially be a Marlon Mack uh, fan club podcast <laughs> because we are going to be one player. talking him up so much this offseason. Uh, I'm very excited for him yeah. this year. Yeah, it's uh, it's super exciting. And I see this as a signing just to shore up the depth and that is it. And that means that, in my opinion, they're confident in, in Mac for, for at least one year. So uh, good news there. Uh, Jamal Charles has officially retired from the NFL, signs a one-day contract with the Chiefs uh, to retire as a Chief. Uh, did you guys own Jamal during during the glory years? Yes, I oh, did. Of course. I won a championship, at least one with him. Yeah, I have a Jamal Charles Christmas ornament. And I'm not oh, a Chiefs wow. fan. That's awesome. <laughs> does it make it onto the tree? Oh yeah, every year it doesn't. It's still, it's just you got to remember the good times. Yeah, he was awesome. Um, a cheat code, honestly. If you drafted him like in, in redraft in the first round, um, so electric, do so much through the air on the ground, and the way that he was used in the Chiefs' offense was just just amazing, especially for fantasy and for real football. So awesome career. Um, yeah, we'll miss him. Yep, I agree, and uh, let's move on to the last little piece of news here. Nothing major, but the Patriots traded tight end Jacob Hollister to the Seahawks for a conditional 2027th, so you know his value is really high. Whoa, um, blockbuster. But, yeah, but the Seahawks, I don't know, making moves for a tight end, it was kind of interesting, so I don't know. Thought I'd throw it on there real quick. Uh, actually, it's more intriguing for the Patriots side of things, where now it's just austin safarian jenkins and do they still have um what's his name Dwayne? what no, i can't think of his he name might come no out they don't retirement right? to jo- they have the other one or they have Mar- wait hollister martellus bennett yeah they have the other hollister and they have michael bennett michael bennett martellus bennett could come out oh of retirement. Okay, okay but right now yeah they basically have no one so didn't address it in the draft and uh didn't address it in free agency and now they're trading away their their tight ends. Maybe they're just going to get rid of the tight end position. Who needs now it? that Gronk's gone, they're bitter about it. They just now nah, who needs a tight end? I don't need one. Bill Bill's up there. Or um, Okada yeah. gets very excited when August comes around, training camp gets here, and Rob Gronkowski unretires, oh! and Okada goes oh. crazy. Um, he would love that. Hey, it could happen. Honestly, I wouldn't be shocked. All right, well, uh, that's going to go ahead and wrap up the news today. Not much really to get to on an injury front, so we'll save that for another day. Uh, Let's move ahead and talk about an NFL rookie mock draft for Fantasy Football Dynasty. What? Mock. Yeah. All right, so how we have it set up is I established a random order in which we'll be picking one by one, and we'll each pick three times per round, and we'll do two rounds of the rookie mock draft talking about all those new nfl rookies and on the clock round one pick one is your host matthew betts the choice here depends a lot on are we doing super flex or single quarterback let's just go with single quarterback league and we'll assume half point per reception i say full point okay full point it is Whatever Okada wants. There's really not much difference for me, so that's fine. Yes, so so this pick is very different in Superflex leagues, but since we're doing non-Superflex, I'm going to go Josh Jacobs here. He's my 101 after the NFL draft and landing spot, primarily because of opportunity right away, taken in the first round by Oakland. Um, And there's a good article on the site by Alex Fan highlighting 
Josh Jacobs as a prospect and what it can mean for him um, there in the Raiders. You know, it, it's rare to be able to get a, I shouldn't say it's rare, it's been more common, but uh, it used to be rare to get a rookie to contribute right away in your dynasty roster. And, and with the way that the NFL is moving and the way that things are going for running backs, um, I think that trend continues. I think you can plug Jacobs in based on volume alone as an RB2 in, in fantasy this year. So he'll return good value. He's my 101 and he's who I am taking. Yeah, he's the best running back in a in a kind of lackluster running back class, going to probably one of the quote unquote better situations, uh, meaning he'll get the most touches. Uh, I don't know if it's the best situation for him offensively. Maybe, maybe we have a little bit of insight here from Travis and what he likes about Josh Jacobs and if he fits in this offense. But um, he he's the best running back situation uh, so far, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm not super high on on Josh Jacobs just because of you know I think in most running back classes he wouldn't be he wouldn't be a first rounder he just wouldn't be I if you you throw him into next year's class you throw him into last year's class he's not a first round pick but you know he, he's the, <laughs> the 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 prettiest girl that's left at the bar and and, and, and <laughs> I guess I guess that's that's the best we got so hey here we go Josh Jacobs let's roll him out. <laughs> but no, I, I, I think it, it, he's he's got a balanced skill set. He demonstrated that in whatever small sample size we were able to gather from Alabama. Uh, statistically, he is an outlier in every way, shape, and form because his production profile says nope. His athletic profile says I have no idea. And uh, so I, there's just a lot of questions that I have. Um, as him, you know, being 101, he's probably the worst 101 I, I can remember and the most questionable 101 I can remember at least since like 2013. But uh, I'm not knocking your pick there because I think he's one of top four that you'll see go in just about every one QB draft for sure. Does uh, does anyone think that Jalen Rashard can still have a role in this offense? Mm, a role, yes. A fantasy relevant role, not really. Good answer. Good answer. <laughs> Um, all right, well, if you want to read up more on Josh Jacobs, be sure to swing over to RedshirtsFantasyFootball.com. We have a new article up by Alex Fan on Josh Jacobs, uh, looking at all the film of him, so seeing how he fits in that offense. But swinging on over to pick number two is going to be me, and I'm going to go with my number one player on my board. I had this uh, since before the draft, before the combine, after everything said and done. Nikhil Harry is my uh, first overall choice this year, and I'm going to be taking him with the second pick. I think that's an obvious one for me there. Um, he's just super polished and clean, and everything he does is at a professional level already, I would say. I think he's going to fit perfectly in uh, to the Patriots' offense, and you know they look for that kind of stuff. They don't want to take long-term projects. They want a guy who can contribute for the last couple good years of Brady's career. So... Uh, I think he's going to fit in really great besides Edelman. Uh, we don't know yet if Josh Gordon's going to return. And they got rid of Chris Hogan, who was just whatever. But that's targets and air yards that's left behind for this guy. Uh, and I think he's ready to step up and be a key piece of a team that's probably going to go 13-3 and again, just like they always seem to do. So uh, I'll take it. Yeah, I uh, I got to meet Nikhil Harry in person actually because he came out on uh, to do a show at the NFL Network, and he is nice. a very large man, <laughs> and in a good way, not like in a Kelvin Benjamin way. He <laughs> is Jack. <laughs> so 
This is something that the the Patriots have not properly had outside of a few games of Josh Gordon, I don't think, for a long time. And obviously, like you mentioned with Gronk gone, that's going to, well, Gronk didn't do anything in the red zone last year by some strange happenstance. But usually, that has been his bread and butter, that and down the field, uh, you know, center uh, seam routes and big, big fantasy relevant plays. And I think that Nikhil Harry can take up a lot of that and then also be a I'm not going to say wide receiver one from a target standpoint because Edelman will probably still be that, but more of a prototypical wide receiver one that will be very productive for fantasy that the Patriots haven't had for a while. Yeah, I can't knock you for going Harry. I mean, he's the most perfect production profile, just objectively speaking. He's got a decent athletic profile. Uh, Now he's got the draft capital to go with it and uh, an interesting, to say the least, landing spot. So. Yeah, it seems like there's a no-brainer. It's a no-brainer pick because Hollywood's on the Ravens and he's like five pounds, and then you got a, <laughs> and then you got a pretty big gap there uh, after that with uh, reasonable arguments to put anyone over him. So, yeah, love it. Yeah, it's uh, draft capital is very interesting too because it's the first time that Belichick's ever picked a receiver in the first round. Which tells you, well, with the Patriots at least, which tells you something. But also, he has not been good at picking receivers in the first couple days. Any good receiver they've ever gotten has come from day seven, round seven, or someone else's team. Or so wasn't even a wide receiver. How it spans up. <laughs> <laughs> True. I was going to say, their best wide receivers aren't wide receivers. So, um, True. Yeah, we'll see. Um, all right, so let's go ahead and swing on over to pick number three, and that's going to be Okada. Uh, Okada, go ahead. Dude, screw this up, all please. Right. Screw this up, okay? I I do <laughs> not love this spot at all. Uh, I'd, I'd ask if anyone wants to trade back if we were doing trades. But we, we aren't, and so I'm going to take the guy that I think is probably the most reliable to provide me fantasy production in the near term because that's what I want. I want to win now, and so I'm going to go with David Montgomery. Yes, he screwed it up. Perfect. i did not like david montgomery all that much to be perfectly honest and i still don't really all that much he has toted the rock a lot so at least we know he can do that he's kind of the opposite of josh jacobs from that standpoint um and he was not always that efficient but it didn't help that he was pretty much the only thing that defenses were keying in on uh in that offense at iowa state but he is good. He's balanced. He's got a, a you know a nice, well-rounded skill set. It's not a very high upside skill set, I don't think. But he's good. Not great. And he went to the Bears at a, at a high enough pick that I think that it means they want to use him instead of Mike Davis. I think they brought Mike Davis in in case they didn't get who they want or as a complimentary or change of pace or just backup, straight backup, like, kind of like he was in Seattle. Uh, so that means Montgomery kind of slides into the Jordan Howard role, and he can be Jordan Howard, if not a little bit better, because he can catch passes at a mildly okay standpoint, whereas Jordan Howard couldn't catch them at any standpoint. Uh, and I think he can. I think he can produce. I think he can be an RB two because Jordan Howard was every year. Yeah, I th- I think you said that really well in terms of, you know, it's, this is really about landing spot, honestly. Um, He'll be utilized, you know, he's not going to be an every down player, obviously, with Tariq Cohen there, but he is very similar to Jordan Howard in that he's got um, great balance, can break tackles, and all that kind of stuff. But the issue 
that Jordan Howard had was obviously he could not catch the ball to save his life and, and Montgomery can at least do that uh, a bit so to me this is Jordan Howard with hands uh, and I think it at least fits what Nagy wants to do in that offense so that he doesn't always have to substitute Montgomery out and put Cohen in where he had to do that you know with Jordan Howard and it, and it really tips your hand on the offensive side so um, I think you said that pretty well Akata um, Mike Davis truthers sorry you're done <laughs> <laughs> I mean I don't know how many Mike Davis truthers there are, but oh, if there are there. more more than are six. They? There's a few. Watch out. <laughs> no, there are, there's a couple. I mean, he he's in a good situation until the draft happens, so uh, I can understand it. And he was semi decent with what he had in in Seattle, so it uh, it makes sense. I I agree with almost every point. I'm just afraid he's not going to get a lot of work, uh, or maybe not a lot of work, but like a full workload, like you were talking about. And uh, he just doesn't have enough raw talent to really overcome that for the sake of fantasy. So uh, that's my only hang-up on him. So, uh, Travis, we, we've handicapped you. We put you fourth. I'm just kidding. It was actually random. So um, who is the right choice for number three that you are going to take at number four? Yeah, so I, I'm, I'm going to take Miles Sanders here. That's That, that would have been my pick at the three spot. That would, that would have been my pick at... Well, uh, Harry is probably my one at this point, and then probably Sanders after that, actually. Um, so, and, and really, Miles Sanders has been my, my one for a bit, just pre-draft. And um, I, I really, obviously, he had to sit behind Saquon Barkley for a couple of years. And so, you you like to see one somebody with a better production profile just historically. But when you look at what he did last year in, in Penn State's offense that just does not throw the ball and... and and say you know he didn't have the the crazy receiving numbers that Saquon did the year before uh, but that offense was just horrible uh, with the exception of Miles Sanders really Um, and so I was really impressed at what he was able to do even even though they they run a bunch of uh, 11 personnel 10 personnel and some some 12 in there Uh, but you know they face lighter looking boxes but they actually don't put him in very favorable situations a lot. So he actually faced like an extra defender in the box more so than guys like Josh Jacobs, more so than guys like Damian Harris, uh, Daryl Henderson, even slightly more so than David Montgomery in, in the six-game sample I did for all those guys in, uh, in terms of charting uh, you know, every snap and, and carry and reception and all that. So I was really just blown away with what Sanders was able to do, and then he blew us all away. And just confirmed what we already probably knew with his athleticism at the combine, testing above average in just about every way. Unlike David Montgomery, who who basically tested as a maybe a, on the verge of bottom quartile athlete for the position. So I, for me, I I don't have any questions as to Miles Sanders' talent level uh, and the opportunity. Obviously, the landing spot is not perfect because of what we've seen the Eagles do in recent history. But I believe that has more to do with the running backs they've had than it has to do with uh, the, the situation that could be in the near future. That's a, that's a fantastic offensive line, healthy situation uh, where he's going to be in scoring opportunities quite a bit. So I'm looking forward to see how they deploy him, and I think he's a value at four here for sure. Yeah, this one's so hard for me because Miles Sanders was my favorite running back coming into the draft, by a, I think by a decent chunk. And I just really don't like this landing spot. Travis touched on it at the very end there. And I honestly hope that Miles Sanders breaks this mold. But Doug Peterson does not like having, or at least that we've seen, 
does not like having a true RB1. They have not had a thousand yard rusher in Philadelphia since he became the head coach. They, I mean, when Garrett Blunt was there, whatever you can say about Garrett Blunt, and you can say a lot of bad things, he usually scores touchdowns pretty darn well. And he did not score any when he was playing for the Eagles. They, I guess, they tend to throw a little bit more when they get in the red zone. I'm not quite sure why these running backs don't don't quite take over when they're playing for Doug Peterson. But Miles Sanders may be the best that they've had. I don't know. JGI was pretty good. I mean, he's not superb, but he's not terrible. So we'll see how how it plays out. I hope he can be a little bit better than than their last few guys. But I yeah, the landing spot bumps him down a little bit for me. Just look at the look at the running backs last year. They're leading. Oh yeah, I mean, they had Josh Adams, Wendell Smallwood, which you should look up his old tweets. Yeah, enough of that. Corey Clement, Jai, or at least the zombie version of him that's still existing. Yep. And then, you know, you go very much further back and you have basically, and you mentioned Blunt in his touchdowns. The only real season that he did score touchdowns, he was playing for the Patriots, and that's because the Patriots are evil and they find a way to score at will no matter what happens. And Tom Brady's secretly actually 97, but he's still, true, you know, <laughs> somehow alive. But, I mean, if you look at the – so we're up to like five running backs. So there have just been awful examples of what running backs should be. I think – Miles Sanders just takes it and runs with it. I mean, they 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 have to just recognize the talent there. So I hope they do. Um, if they don't, I, I apologize to everyone listening. But uh, <laughs> he's, he's the pick for me at four. Yeah, he's good. I like him as a prospect. I also don't like the landing spot. Uh, I don't and, – and they didn't give up a lot of capital for Jordan Howard, but they're not going to not use him this year. And granted, they only have one contract for one year, but then next year we have uh, probably a more talented running back class coming in, and what it what's going to stop them from grabbing someone else as well to tandem with him? And I don't know. Um, I, I'll have to see it uh, this year if he can if he can start to pull away with the job this year. Then you know I'll obviously try to send some trades for him or something. But in the meantime, I don't know if I'm all in on him yet. And I'm just I'm just hesitant about this offense and how they use running backs. I, I agree. You make a good point that they, they they haven't been good running backs, but I'm still hesitant. They certainly have not. I think it's probably more of a consensus. Whether he's in the top two or one is not very consensus. But I think it's more consensus that he probably has one of the highest upsides, if not the highest upside of any rookie in this, in this draft. Because all that has to happen is for Doug Peterson to say, oh, I actually do want to be like... Uh, Andy Reid and use one running back, and then all of a sudden he's an RB one every year. Yeah, so that that's probably going to be the the longest argument we have on on a prospect so far. I knew we already had some contention there, but let's uh, let's swing on over to pick number five, and this is going to circle back to bets again. So you are on the clock. Yes, so there's a couple players I'm looking at here, but I am going to stay true uh, to my rankings, and I'm going to take T.J. Hawkinson here. Um, I think that he is obviously the best tight end in this class and i think that was largely consensus going in i know there was some some hype for noah fant um i will say i think short term i like fant's landing spot a little bit better being able to play right away with with joe flacco who targets the tight end but long term um i think hawkinson is going to be the guy when you look back on this class in a few years and say yeah i wish i had him on my roster because um he does it all so well his blocking is going to get him on the field immediately um he's a pretty good route runner and he was taken in the top 10, which obviously for a tight end is not the norm. So um, I think this guy is going to have a very bright future. And if 
that offense can get going a little bit more. Uh, I like him there in Detroit to be able to, to start day one um, and just kind of go from there. So I'm taking Hawkinson here. I think it's a play for the long term rather than short term, but uh, I like him a lot. Uh, out of curiosity, Betts, uh, who was the last tight end drafted in the top 10 for chance? Uh, was that Mr. Uh, Eric Ebron? Yes, it was. The same team? Mr. Eric Ebron <laughs> drafted by the same team and Look ruined. Look fact. <laughs> ruined by the same team. He had to go to Indianapolis to be useful. Uh, no, I, I do not dislike this pick or Hawkinson at all. In fact, I have him at six in my ranking, so it's right around here. Uh, but I sure hope that they use him better than they used Ebron. Yep. Love, love, love Hawkinson. Uh, I, I love this pick. Travis, any thoughts? Yeah, it's, it's funny. For a long time, Fant was just the guy, the go-to, especially in Debbie Leagues, for forever. Hawkinson wasn't supposed to be the answer. Hawkinson wasn't supposed to be the superior prospect, but just kept on proving it time and time again and actually you know, outdid him as a receiver this past year as well. So, yeah, I can't knock you there for that kind of pick. I, I don't typically like taking tight end this early, but in this mess of a draft class, which has so much confusion, frankly, uh, beyond just the top four or so, I think once you get past that four mark, it's anything goes from like five to 14. So there's going to be a lot of disagreement this year. Yeah, I could tell just from looking at the rankings that it's already uh, pretty messy. So um, that's a good call. I'll, I'll swing on down to pick number six here. Uh, this is me again, and I'm going to go with Debo Samuel, wide receiver for the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, he's actually number three on my rookie rankings right now, so I am loving this. Uh, I think he instantly is their wide receiver three. Uh, Marquise Goodwin, uh, although he's progressed over the years, is still more of a straight-line guy. Um, we all love Dante Pettis, I'm sure, and George Kittle is uh, playing well from the tight end slot, but uh, – People expect a lot from this offense. I mean, look at all the weapons there, and Jimmy Garoppolo's coming back, and I feel like they could have a really productive offense. And if you can get a piece of that um, at the sixth spot here, I'm I'm all in. I'll take the, the wide receiver three there, and, and Debo's that guy for me. Yeah, he was he was the guy I was debating Kent on the last pick, so I uh, can't knock you here at all. I, I like Debo's game a lot. I think he offsets Pettis very well. Um, I've heard some people just saying that they think that this hurts Pettis, and I could not disagree more. I think this helps both players. I think that it's going to be a dynamic offense. Kyle Shanahan gets another weapon that he can use, and Debo is very good in that intermediate passing game. So uh, I love this, and I think it fits what they need. Um, I think he has a chance to produce year one and just grow from there. To me, he projects more to be like a long-term role player than like a you know high-end fantasy contributor. But I mean, I, I don't really feel great about a whole lot of the other guys in this range either. But if you look at uh, you know how he was deployed at South Carolina, it, it was weird because he was like an outside wide receiver, like a left wide receiver most of the time. And if he was in the slot, he basically ran a screen, a slant, or jet motion. So he was kind of like a gadget guy when he wasn't playing outside wide receiver. I really can, I'm curious to see what that offense looks like and if he's actually if they try to force him outside, if they try to put him in the slot. Because if he is a slot there, I think he'll be more of a gadget piece. And if that's the case. I'm not sure if he's going to have consistent fantasy value. If they try to force him outside, I'm not sure that he demonstrated he could really win consistently, even in college. Uh, so I, I don't know what he is, but uh, he, he's a, a balanced route runner from what I, I kind of charted, and so that, that's intriguing. Uh, but that that offense is going to be one to watch because I don't know who's really going to be the guy to own 
but given the draft capital and, and that being a variable that we find to be one of the stickiest <laughs> with wide receivers, yep. mm-hmm. that matters. And so can't really argue that. Yeah, he's got that sub four five speed. He's uh, his athletic profile is pretty decent, and uh, like you said, thirty six overall pick. That's that means something if they if they had that faith to uh, take him there. So I like him there, and uh, we'll swing it over to pick number seven with Okada. Oh boy, <laughs> I I probably could wait till my next pick at eleven and still get this guy, but I ain't doing it. Because I want to be the guy to pick him. Yep, I know. Let it. me ask you guys a question. <laughs> Let me ask you a quick question. If we dropped Baker Mayfield into this rookie class, where do you think you would pick him? Well, okay, knowing what I know now, or like yes, if I yes. didn't, if he was right a prospect now. still, right now. Well, number like one or two, I think. Honestly, you're darn right. You're <laughs> darn right, number one or two, Kent. And that is why I am taking Kyler Murray. At the number seven spot, listen, I have him ranked higher than this. I won't say where publicly because it's no, so no, high no, that I no. Pause. Ashamed. Pause. You have to now tell the people where you have him ranked. All right, fine. I have him ranked number three in one QV leagues. Here's the situation, boys and girls. And by the way, know, know that I understand that I'm above consensus here by quite a large margin. But here's the situation. Kyler Murray is going to light fantasy on fire. He is as good, if not better by a large margin, than Baker Mayfield for fantasy purposes coming into this league. And now we look at last season and we say he's coming into an awful offense. Wrong. This is a completely different situation. The only thing that hasn't really improved is the offensive line. They really did not address that. It's still a terrible offensive line, but he can deal with that a little bit better than Josh Rosen could, so that will help a little bit. Moreover, Cliff Kingsbury, Texas Tech head coach, coming in to coach the Cardinals. He's not going to bring in the exact air raid from Texas Tech because that's just not going to work completely in the NFL, but he's going to bring in as close to it as he can, and that's a top five FBS passing offense every single year that he was there, pretty much. And they they got weapons. After they drafted Kyler Murray, they then focused on getting him weapons. They got him Andy Isabella. They got him Hakeem Butler. They got him Keyshawn Johnson, who I think is a decent sleeper. They've already got fits for obviously probably not long, maybe one more year. And they probably need to get a tight end. But they also have one of the best pass-catching running backs in the entire league, if not the best pass-catching running back in the entire league in David Johnson. Here's just one small, tiny, little, itty-bitty nugget that I'll end with. Baker Mayfield in his final season in Oklahoma. I could read you all the stats, but I'll just give you the fantasy numbers. 406 fantasy points in 14 games. Yeah, in 14 games. Kyler Murray, at the same school, one year earlier in his career... 500.5 fantasy points on the back of a thousand rushing yards and 12 rushing touchdowns. This man can be Michael Vick with a better arm if you want him to. <laughs> so I would I would take him at the very upper end of these rookie drafts, and I think that we will be talking about him like we're talking about Patrick Mahomes and Baker Mayfield for Dynasty in the next couple years. Okay, I've said my piece. Okada, I have to ask, how many times did you stand in the mirror and practice that? <laughs> oh, so many times, Vince. 
<laughs> scripted. You guys can't see the script, but it's written oh right my God. behind the camera. Dude, I was just waiting for another food comparison as you gave on the previous oh. episodes there coming. Oh. So you, you don't let me down there. He but a habanero pepper. <laughs> Very small, but so spicy. Wait, can you can you hear that in the distance? Is that the cliff air raid? What? Oh, there it is! The air raid's coming, boys! <laughs> oh my god. Um, okay, somebody give an opposing viewpoint before our listeners go crazy. Yeah. I, I'm sure Travis. Travis, go right. ahead. <laughs> I just, I got hung up on the, the with a better arm thing. Like, I, 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 I don't know if you've, you've watched, old, yeah, if you've like watched like, in, like in, in terms of accuracy or just like everything okay. overall arm overall yes, Mick was super strong. Yeah. He, like, he yeah, can chuck it like Tyler 70 yards. Better overall. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> so, okay. So yeah, for, for as far as accuracy goes, I, I can't argue with that. Uh, I think that uh, he definitely has been proven to be just the like ball placement is unbelievable with Kyler. And so I think a lot of people see that and they, they see his adjusted numbers and really all of his metrics besides the fact that he's short, uh, check, 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 and check. So I, I'm not going to try to argue with, uh, you know, his potential. I think the offensive line is absolutely going to wreck him in year one. And it's probably going to take him till year two to, you know, really come to fruition with that uh, to where we see him comfortably running, uh, comfortably, you know, in the in the pocket, uh, but he has some young weapons uh, and at least a year with Fitz to to kind of learn and and uh, hopefully improve some and do better than Josh Rosen did. Hopefully, because uh, Josh Rosen, by almost every measure, was a bottom three quarterback in the NFL last year, uh, and that that had to do largely with the offensive line. So, I hope the offensive scheme and uh, situation is a little bit different. But uh, I'm not confident that that will give you immediate dividends. But once you get past four or five, I, I really don't see many players that do. So, yeah. All right. Well, that was uh, probably the highlight of uh, the first round so far. But, uh, <laughs> Travis, we'll swing it back to you for uh, pick number eight. This is where it gets really gross because I could probably get uh, probably go like four different directions. And this is the exact range where I am I'm desperately trying to trade completely out of or trade down from because uh, do you go Hollywood Brown because of the draft capital? Do you go Paris Campbell because of the implied volume with Andrew Locke? I don't know. Do you go DK Metcalf because he can run in a straight line and he's really ripped? Do you, uh, I don't really, I don't really know where, where to go here, but I'm going, I'm going to go with uh, the, the guy that I had is the wide receiver two uh, prior to the draft. And that's an AJ Brown. Uh, right here, so uh, um, Okada's making a face at me, like oh, like the, like this, the, the, the same face, the, the same face that everyone yeah. made before they stopped listening after your Kyler take. But <laughs> oh, <laughs> there it is. No, I, 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 no, I love you, man. But uh, AJ Brown, obviously the the volume. There are so many questions with that. I think this is going to be a prove it or completely lose it year for Mariota. And I think uh, the situation for either the better or the worse is going to completely change for the Titans very, very soon. So either Mariota clicks in a big way or he is just gone uh, after this year. And so if that's the case, then the Titans are going to be looking for a new quarterback and heck, an, a new offense uh, if, if it goes too horribly with, with health and things like that. Uh, but I think they really could put it together if Mariota is healthy. So if he is healthy 
AJ Brown is going to immediately be the wide receiver two, if not the wide receiver one, to be honest, with with Corey Davis there. And so I like him to be a plug-and-play kind of volume guy. Um, Humphreys is going to be the chain mover on third downs. He's been proven to be that, that kind of effective guy, but he doesn't have to take a whole lot of volume. I mean, Godwin and uh, Evans showed us last year that you know Humphreys, Humphreys can be in place in an offense and, and guys can still be productive. So I think... I think I'm going to take AJ Brown here reluctantly, just because of the pre-draft eval and his versatility and and uh, what he brings, um, just in his overall pro- overall profile. And plus, he's got the draft capital too. So I really, really like AJ Brown here. And at eight, I think it could do much worse. Um, I would like to point something out for our listeners, which is that Travis largely ranks on the player more, more so, I think, than we do. And I think that that's probably largely because he's done a lot more research, tape watching, etc. on them. So keep that in mind when you're listening to the show. Obviously, his player evaluations are top-notch. Um, and I think that probably landing spot has affected him a little bit less. For me, this is probably the worst landing spot in the entire rookie class from a fantasy perspective versus what they could have been. Maybe Daryl Henderson is up there, but I think A.J. Brown's number one worst spot for me. I don't know what's going to happen to the quarterback situation. Hopefully they figure it out or Mariota gets healthy and is what he was supposed to be. But right now it's ugly. I think he's going to be competing with Corey for the number one. I don't. I honestly don't know who's going to end up being the number one. Adrian Brown's very good, but Corey Davis was very, very good and just has looked bad in this uh, situation. But yeah, it it's rough. If he like, We're talking, if he had gone to the Patriots or the Packers or something like that, I think he'd be the... Probably the 101. Well, if he'd gone to the Patriots, Nikhil Harry wouldn't have. So he would have been the 101. And that kind of speaks to his talent, um, right? I mean, like... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so it's... And, yeah, so... I'm not saying draft him and redraft. That's not where I'm That's not where I'm going. For but sure, for, for sure. you know, <laughs> for dynasty purposes, I'm, I'm pumped for, for, my, for my team. I'm a Titans fan, so maybe that's clouding my judgment. But, <laughs> but I think, uh, <laughs> I think I'm going to believe in the player long term here. All right, well, we can push on through to pick number nine, and then it's going to be bets back on the clock. Yes, I am so excited to finally have tight ends in the NFL that can actually do things, so I'm going to keep that going here. Uh, Noah Fan is my selection here. We already talked about him a little bit, so we don't have to go into a, a ton of detail. I love the tight ends. Um, and and he's a guy who, like Travis said, was supposed to be the guy for Iowa. And not that he wasn't. He just was kind of overshadowed a little bit towards the end. Um, still very, very productive in college. Um, he's got good hands. He profiles as more of a pass-catching type of tight end, which obviously we love for fantasy football. Um, he gets to go to Denver. He gets to play with Joe Flacco for now, which I think could help to jumpstart his career. And then maybe Drew Locke, who they obviously selected over the weekend, um, who you could argue has some of the, the most upside in terms of arm talent in the in the draft from the quarterback position. So uh, based off what's around him in the draft at this point, like we've already talked about, it's ugly, it's gross. Give me the guy who I think is going to be able to do something uh, long-term with his landing spot there. So uh, I'll go ahead and take Noah Fant. Yeah. Uh, I was just going to say I love it. I've said it many times. I love the tight ends this year. Noah Fant uh, right up there in terms of overall – uh, talent of TJ Hawkinson, just I think a little bit better at pass catching. So he's clearly going to be a good uh, um, elite fantasy option in the long term here. I, I don't know if he'll contribute year one. They do have some other tight ends in Denver right now, but uh, I think long term he's a really good play. 
Betts, earlier when you drafted Hawkinson, did you say that you would probably take Fant for this year over Hawkinson? Yeah, I think year one, Fant probably produces more, given that he'll play in a, in a role that's less blocking, I think, um, relative to Hawkinson, but long-term, Hawkinson over Fant. Yeah, I I think I would agree with that, and I'm curious where you would put Fant for redraft purposes while we're on the subject, because with Joe Flacco currently the quarterback, and I think Elway actually came out and said that Locke would come in and compete for the backup job, so he's not even competing for the starting job, uh, that's really good for a tight end. And they don't have established weapons for sure. They may have talented weapons. We still don't really know, but certainly not established. So I think there's a decent chance he's a tight end one as a rookie which you don't see that often i think that's probably realistic given that you only have to step on the field four times and catch two balls to be a tight end one <laughs> um <laughs> yeah so i'm just pulling up my redraft rankings now and, and there's definitely guys that i would move down and move him up for example chris herndon austin hooper um delaney walker potentially vance mcdonald obviously so yeah i think he's right at the back end of the tight end one range this year i agree all right. Well, uh, let's swing on over to my pick then at number 10 in the first round. Uh, look, at this point, I, I think it's safe to go with the risk here. I'm going to take Don't DK Metcalf. Ah! Yeah, DK Metcalf is going to be my pick. Um, you know, with Doug Baldwin's future uncertain with his injury stuff going on, Tyler Lockett, uh, he'll probably move more to the slot. Uh, I just saw a tweet from Evan Silva today about him playing in the slot when Baldwin was out. So, Having a DK Metcalf and uh, David Moore on the outside, I think that that lands him in a pretty good situation, and uh, he's connected to one of the best and most highly paid quarterbacks in the NFL. Actually, the most highly paid. Um, so he's got a good situation there. I, I I don't think there's any chance that the Seahawks run as much as they did last year. It was like inconceivable how often they were running the ball, and and I think with a good solid receiving weapon that's healthy, uh, or mostly healthy he they can return to throwing the ball a little bit more using russell i i would say I, go ahead go ahead okada well, go ahead bets okay <laughs> we're just too nice no you go ahead because you go ahead because i might have a differing opinion than you no i was just gonna ask Kent, what makes you think that they're going to not not run the ball like they did last year okay fine um, i can actually jump in here if you want go ahead go for it. it it was something along those lines i actually spent a little bit of today because i had this weird break at work mapping out Russell Wilson's passing production and last year was a dip a crazy dip like Kent mentioned but still if you map the course of his career it's on an upward trend and yes Schottenheimer has come in and wants to run 50 times a game but their defense is also not what it was so I don't know how realistic that's going to be I think that it's it's not going to go back to his highest passing total which was like 540 or something like that but I think it can be around 500 pass attempts. And listen, DK Metcalf coming in was obviously a massive question mark. He still is a massive question mark, possibly the biggest one in the draft. There are so many ways he could go wrong. But if you had asked me to design a landing spot for him where I could actually see him being a success in the NFL, I would have said a good, reliable NFL organization with good coaching and previous success who has a excellent top-notch quarterback that is possibly the best deep thrower in the entire NFL. He threw the most touchdown passes on deep balls last year in Russell Wilson. And that doesn't have very much in the way of competition so that the limited targets that he would normally get 
it's not that big of a deal because there's not that many mouths to split it between. And in this offense where we expect Doug Baldwin to retire and that basically leaves Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, literally the Seahawks are what I would have designed as a landing spot. This is, <laughs> I think this is as good as it gets for him. And I went from probably he would have been outside my top 12 and I would have been very, very scared to draft him at all to I I'm going to be on the Metcalf train now. I think you either have to be off or on. He's not going to fall in between, and I've decided to be on. All right. Well, I like the sound of that, and uh, obviously I like the landing spot as well. So tell you what, let's swing on over to pick number 11. We got uh, a whole other round we're trying to wrap up here, so we'll we'll do rapid fire in the second round, but we got two more here. So, Kata, you're on the clock with pick 11. Oh, boy. Um, I'm really torn between two guys, but I think the other guy's more likely to come back to me in my next pick, which is so crucial because of how much how much stake there is in this draft that we're doing right now. <laughs> uh, so I'll take the guy that, that I would probably expect to go a little higher, and that's going to be Hakeem Butler. Um, Hakeem Butler was one of my probably top three receivers coming in and was kind of my favorite, even though I may not have said he was the best. The draft capital is not ideal. He slipped a quite a decent chunk uh, in the draft down to 103rd pick overall. But And he wasn't even the first wide receiver they took. The Cardinals, that is. They took Andy Isabella. But you guys heard my rant about Kyler Murray, so I don't really have to give it again. And it's a large portion of why I like Hakeem Butler from a landing spot perspective. And then I just really like his talent. I think he's going to be the red zone weapon on that team. Uh, I think that Isabella can be all over the place, pretty much. Um, but Butler will be a rock-steady outside receiver for them. And because I think Kyle's going to be so good, I think his receivers are going to be good. So I like me some Akeem Butler. I really liked Akeem Butler pre-draft. I, the, the draft capital is like right on the fringe of where you like to see guys go. Uh, but, I mean, yeah, you can't really knock what he did in college. I mean... At least his final year. I mean, uh, 22 yards per reception, like 43% dominator. Uh, just a massive human being that, that can line up all over the field at all the wide receiver positions you want him to. Whether it's a massive slot or outside guy, doesn't matter. Uh, he's going to dominate. And so it was really, really confusing as to why he dropped to where he did. And so I think he's going to be a wild card that can go as a late first. Or I've already seen people dropping him down to the early third in rookie drafts, which is just kind of crazy. Whoa. Uh, but that's that's the reality of it because it's just so confusing with uh, the offense that until we see it happen, it, it hasn't proven to be a good situation. And it looks to be kind of crowded-ish with Isabella and Christian Kirk there. And not to mention David Johnson still there uh, eating up some receptions. So that there's a lot of variables at play with Hakeem Butler. But from a talent standpoint I, I really liked Hakeem Butler and still do so I wouldn't have taken him there because uh, I, I would I'm going to take Paris Campbell uh, with my pick uh, to wrap up the first round uh, I think the opportunity you guys love opportunity and uh, I definitely do because I'm a sane human being and I, I think <laughs> you have to look at some point at the opportunity and say look he's got a fantastic quarterback there's a wide receiver there in T.Y. Hilton that can kind of pull the coverage for him and I think he's going to have to learn uh, to run and do a little bit more in terms of the deep game. But with his wheels, I think he's not going to have a problem with that. It was really strange watching how Ohio State used him because he's a guy that has four three wheels 
And in an eight-game sample, I saw two passes go for more than 12 air yards. I mean, like, against Power 5 competition. He just was not ever utilized downfield, which is just so bizarre. It's just basically, I mean, part of it is his role. Like, that, like we saw Curtis Samuel did the same thing before that, in the same role, in the same offense. Ohio State runs, like, 10 plays, and they put window dressing all over it. And so he just ran the same routes and – uh, it was a versatile kind of underneath the route tree, but uh, he's just going to have to learn a whole lot, and he basically never played anywhere outside of slot uh, with much success against top competition, uh, and he's probably going to have to slide out there and do that. And so huge question mark for me, so really weird for me to pick him in the first round, frankly, but the opportunity with Andrew Luck is too much. So for me, I'm going with Campbell. Yeah, and he was right in the middle of that huge run on wide receivers in the second round. And, uh, I mean, that's still considerable draft stock, and he couldn't have landed in a better team here in the middle of that bunch. So uh, I'm all for it. Uh, I love the pick here. So with that being said, we're going to go on to the second round here. We're going through the same exact order. We're going to kind of go a little bit more rapid fire. So uh, state your pick, why you picked them, and then we'll pretty much roll on to the next one unless there's a quick comment. So. Betts, you are back on the clock with uh, pick number two, or excuse me, round two, pick one. Yes, I am going with a guy who would not have been going here if it weren't for the landing spot and the news that we just talked about. God. Okada's guy, Mikol Hardman. Is that how you say it? Mikol or Mikol? Yes, Mikol. That's what I thought. Uh, Mikol Hardman, who was just recently taken by the Chiefs in the wake of the Tyree Kill news. I think that at this point in the draft, it's so it's so uncertain that you might as well shoot for upside and they're drafting him to try to fill that role. He's a guy who's built for speed, uh, four, three, three, 40 yard dash, very raw though. So it's not going to translate immediately. I don't think to the NFL, but he could definitely connect with Mahomes on some deep balls there and potentially grow that relationship. Um, so I'm going to go with him. All right. Uh, you stole that pick from me yes. and somehow and me. I think, I think with the second pick of the second round, I, I'm going to take probably the latest first wide receiver off the board ever in a rookie draft and i'm gonna finally take marquise brown here uh because someone had to and frankly <laughs> uh with that kind of draft capital it it matters we talked about it earlier uh you know whether it be sunk cost fallacy or otherwise it, it doesn't really matter they're gonna try and give him the ball in some capacity and frankly other than uh him and a couple other no names it's willie sneed and that's pretty much it so uh, you got to give him the opportunity. He's got uh, real quick speed. Um, he can break out of routes really quickly, and that could be a benefit to Lamar Jackson and open up the passing game a little bit. Who knows? But it's still a big question mark with his weight. Uh, what it, what was it? Five pounds? You yeah, said he weighed, four, Travis. Four, it's four and a half. Like that. Like five when he's wet. <laughs> Rounded <laughs> no, up but, with the helmet off. But really, what his playing weight is like one fifty five, one sixty, isn't it? It's super low. Maybe I'm low on that, but. Uh, he's super small, and so it's a big risk in the NFL, but i got to take a chance on him here. Okada, you're on the clock. Uh, yeah, I really wanted me, Cole, because reasons. Okay, this is this is just <laughs> awful, because the way the draft has fallen, I am literally going to take my third Cardinal in Andy Isabella. <laughs> I, I don't know how or why this has happened, but I guess it tells you how much I believe in Cliff Kingsbury and this system from a fantasy perspective. I don't know how much they'll win games, but from a fantasy perspective, I believe in this system. 
I think it's similar to when Sean McVay came into LA and we were used to the horrific nature of Jeff Fisher, Jeff Fisher and that offense and what it had done to all the weapons. And then this upstart came in and we were like, oh, he's not going to fix everything. And then he fixed everything, at least from a fantasy perspective. So Isabella is a absolute burner, 4-3-1 speed. He was tied for the fastest uh, combine 40 with Paris Campbell, Travis's previous pick. And he's small, so people think he just kind of goes in the slot, but that's not necessarily true. He can kind of go anywhere, or at least he did at UMass. Uh, he led the FBS in receiving yards last year with 1,700. So he's got some production, uh, obviously in a, a unique situation, but he's got the production, and I believe in the offense, Andy Isabella. Hey, uh, at Okada, I'll trade you Christian Kirk for three first-round ro- rookie picks. <laughs> Deal. <laughs> um, all right, we're going to swing over to Travis. going to have to go with J.J. Orsega-Whiteside here. Uh, I don't think he'll ever be dropping this far in uh, real rookie drafts. I think a lot of people are are fading him just because of the short-term opportunity. It kind of looks muddy uh, with, uh, I guess, D-Jax and Alshon and whatever uh, Agor is. And, uh, you know, obviously, Miles Sanders is going to catch some balls, too, because I'm high on him. Mm. But uh, Mm. I I think I am high on that offense, and I am high on uh, Arcega Whiteside's production profile. I mean, if you mix his his dominator with his yards per team, pass attempt, touchdowns per team, pass attempt, any angle you want to really look at his uh, adjusted numbers uh, for his production profile, it's one of the strongest in the class. And I think it gets overlooked because he played for Stanford, and really their passing game was a mess until just this past season. But uh, he does five or six things really well, uh, kind of like a poor man's Mike Evans. Uh, he's not going to be a huge yak guy, uh, and so that's not super sexy. And he really can't turn towards the sideline. It was basically like Zoolander, like not being able to turn one way. But <laughs> he, he basically never ran outbreaking routes at Stanford. I think it's more schematic than anything. But I, I really like the, his mix of draft capital and production and size and, and athleticism. I know he didn't get to do what we want to We'll see at the combine typically, but uh, his, his pro day numbers were ridiculous. I, so much so I don't even really believe them. But JJ uh, Arcega Whiteside's a pick for me. All right, bets. We're gonna swing back to you. Uh, fifth pick of the second round. Yeah, in this in this position here, I'm gonna just go with a guy who I think has a, an immediate shot to just at least contribute in an offense. And if there was anything to happen to the guy in front of him, l- like blow your mind this guy is going to be fantastic daryl henderson obviously going behind uh behind Gurley, and and yes we've talked about the knee and all that kind of stuff so we don't need to get into it into it today but if something goes wrong there with Gurley, he steps in and takes over and enough that offense with his skill set i think it would be amazing i mean this guy you want to talk talk about production last year and and the year before in college uh fantastic over the last two years over 3,000 yards and 39 touchdowns um yeah game-breaking speed the guy can can really do it all out of the backfield and granted not the, the strongest conference that he played in but I think that his game translates to what Sean McVay wants to do so I'm going to take the upside there in terms of Henderson uh, yeah, that was going to be my pick if you didn't take him. And then I saw your rankings and decided you were going to do it. So yep. I already had your name <laughs> written down on the on the docket. But uh, for the sixth pick of the second round, I am going to go with running back Justice Hill playing for the Baltimore Ravens. Um, Mark Ingram is getting up there in age, and I don't know how long he's going to last there. Uh, I like Justin Hill from a prospect perspective. I think he's got a lot of talent, and 
He probably needs a little bit of time to adjust to the NFL speed, and I think that's going to be the biggest thing for him. So I, I think he's a good year two or year three play. And, you know, once you start to get to this point, uh, that's really what I all, all you can bank on. So I'm going to go with that. Um, I don't hate that pick. I was considering him as one of my options. So you actually kind of made it easier on me for once instead of sniping my guy. So I'm going to go ahead and close out. Well, I don't know if I'll close them out. There's a chance one more gets picked, but I'll probably close out the tight ends with Irv Smith Jr. And I'm actually surprised that Kent didn't take him right there because he's a Viking. But tight ends, you need them in fantasy. Unless you play in a league where you don't, <laughs> uh, you need ones that produce. And obviously, right now, Kyle Rudolph is still on that roster for one more year. I think there's a chance he's not even on that roster by the start of this year. In fact, I've heard tiny little bits of rumor mills about him going to the Patriots to fill that gigantic void that they're themselves digging deeper with a shovel. Uh, but regardless, even if he stays there for this year, I think next year, which is kind of more when it matters for tight ends anyways, Irv Smith Jr. is going to be a great option there. Um, he is kind of the... Uh, he's kind of a mix between Fant and Hawkinson, I guess, in that he's a better blocker than Fant. He's not as good of a pass catcher as Fant, but he he's a very good pass catcher. I would say similar to Hawkinson. Um, and so I think he's definitely got the talent. I think that that uh, Kirk Cousins will be sufficient to get him a decent number of targets for a tight end, and I think he'll be a top eight guy or so for a few years after Kyle Rudolph is gone. Yeah, I think he'll replace Laquan uh, Treadwell. And his role. So, <laughs> ouch. Yeah. Burn. Yeah, that's saying something. That's a tight solid, end. Solid, like, um, anyway. catches. And solid. <laughs> um, yeah. So, that's how. I, no. But anyway. I just saw the doc where Kent wrote another Cardinal probably got him. I, I didn't write that. That wasn't oh, me. Travis wrote it. I added to it with Although, the, uh, the Gotti. That is a oh fair assumption <laughs> that it was be me. So. All right, we got a few more here. Let's wrap this up. Uh, at pick number eight in the second round, we got Travis. Yeah, I'm going to roll with uh, the second quarterback in this draft, and that is not that is not Daniel Jones. Oh my gosh, it's Dwayne <laughs> Dwayne Haskins. That is the second best quarterback in this draft, and I have no idea what the Giants were thinking. Obviously, his stats got a little bit padded with a bunch of quick. Uh, little tap passes to Paris Campbell for 75-yard touchdowns, things like that. But the dude threw for 5,100 yards or whatever it was and, like, 50 touchdowns. Um, and and it, it, in limited action, he just blew us away. Really, really fantastic pocket passer. Uh, I think he uh, needs some better weapons. Uh, the Redskins obviously have no idea how to draft wide receivers. Uh, although they did grab Kelvin Harmon late, so that was nice. But Terry McLaurin's just going to waste away and not do anything ever. No idea why that was a pick. But, uh, you know, so hopefully they can utilize uh, Haskins and give him some weapons uh, better here in the near future. But uh, no-brainer for me around pick 20 because I think the return on, on rookie quarterbacks, I mean, plus, you know, it, it's probably above this range, especially in this class. That's a good call, and we're swinging back over to Betts at pick number nine, second round. Travis, you must have been podcasting for a long time because that was a phenomenal transition to my pick, Kelvin Harmon. 
Uh, not Terry McLaurin, (laughs) Kelvin Harmon, (laughs) who in this position, I think is honestly a value. And yes, he fell in the draft and yes, uh, that matters obviously, as we've talked about, but when you look at that roster, you know, the wide receiver specifically, you could argue he's probably the most talented wide receiver on that roster. Um, he will have a rough year in year one. Yes. Because again, the quarterback situation is shaky, but long-term, if he plays with the chip on his shoulder and lets that you know, draft capital, uh, elevate his game. He was a guy that we were talking about at the 102, 103, 104 range before the NFL draft. And so I think getting him here, uh, is excellent value. And I'm going to be trying to target him in my drafts in the second round. Uh, if I can get him, I want him everywhere. Like it. Interesting. Yeah. He, f- he fell a lot in the, in the draft. So I'm a little surprised at that, honestly, cause I did like him as well. So, um, it'll be interesting to see how much he gets involved in that offense. So coming back to the 10th pick in the second round is going to be me once again, and this is now the point where I just don't want anyone. Uh, But I will take Miles Gaskin, uh, running back for the Miami Dolphins. Uh, Frank Mm. Gore is now gone, and yes, that still matters. Um, They have Kenyon Drake, but I'm not – Still not really convinced he's the real deal either, and all it takes is one injury for this guy to step up uh, and and jump into this offense. Granted, not a great offense, but that's why he's at the end of the second round. So um, I think there's some opportunity here in the wake of Kenyon Drake in the long term. You don't like Kalen Balazs? As a pass catcher, I think he's a great slot weapon. I just don't know if I'll ever want him running between the tackles for my team. Yeah, ne- neither did Arizona State apparently either. So, Yeah. <laughs> uh, Okada, pick 11. All right, I'm gonna. I'm really tempted to pick a Cardinals offensive lineman, but I'm going to <laughs> go away from that and take Devin Singletary. Now, Devin Singletary, out of Florida Atlantic, has found his way into the most packed running back room I've ever seen. <laughs> Combined yeah. age, age is like 97, something like that. Facts, big facts. Devin Singletary is trying to bring the average down, but it doesn't help that there's so many guys already there. Obviously, you got LaShawn McCoy, you got Frank Gore, and they just signed TJ Yeldon out in Buffalo. So it's it is weird. First of all, I think there's a very good chance one of them's gone. If I had to guess, I would not guess because I have no idea. <laughs> but I think one of them's going to be gone by the start of the season, and then two more of them are probably going to retire by the start of the next season or maybe halfway through this season. So that that gives Devils, Devin Singletary a long-term opportunity. He's kind of a mixed bag, depending on how you look at him. He's very, 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 very small. He's 5'7", 203, not ideal. Uh, but he had 66 rushing touchdowns in three years, which is the most in FBS history by a three-year player. That is obscene production from at least a rushing touchdown standpoint, which I don't remember where I heard it recently, but I heard that it was a fairly predictive stat. I'm curious to hear what uh, Travis's take on that because he's very much a production analyzer. (laughs) But he has had the production. I like how he looks on tape. It's, It's fast and shifty. We'll see what kind of role he can get in this offense. But they're going to want to run, so if he can even be one of a two-headed running back crew, obviously with Josh Allen also there, I think he'd still have fantasy relevance. Yeah, I mean, when you look at Devin Singletary's production profile, I mean, before we recognized how tiny of a person he was, and then he kind of disappointed at the combine, 
uh, really everything about his production profile screamed, hey, this is exactly what a small school running back's production profile looks like to earn day two draft capital. And he did. He snuck in, got day two draft capital. He's in a mess with four 40-year-old running backs. And uh, and then TJ Yeldon, who's not bad. He might as well be 40. But um, and so... <laughs> And so he, you know, it's it's kind of a muddy situation, but it could really clear up soon. So if he can get beyond the fact that he's not the most athletic, he's not the fastest, he is 5'7", uh, if he can break the mold and be an outlier, uh, given his outstanding production profile, given his, his balance and, and content, well, contact balance and all the things that we liked to, uh, to get excited about it when he was at FAU, I think he has uh, an underrated a landing spot there that could end up being a good thing. So, yeah, I think that's a, a not perfect landing spot. He's not a perfect prospect, but he's not going to got the relevant draft capital that you want to see. So, he's a wild card. I'm willing to gamble on as well, late second round uh, myself. Uh, but uh, so screw you because uh, I was going to take him. But uh, <laughs> but I was I was counting on you taking that Finally, offensive lineman right for the Cardinals, and you just uh, you really messed that up. So. <laughs> I'm really super disappointed. There's high stakes in this uh, this year <laughs> rookie draft. I'm gonna throw a little bit of wild card here, just because my my rookie rankings have been changing about every five to seven minutes. Uh, but uh, I, I want to pick like a Damian Harris here, just because I liked him pre-draft, and uh, I mean he's a he's a Bama back, but he's in a situation where it's you know Sonny Michelle it's it's James White it's it's Rex Burkhead it's Damian Harris it's Tom Brady who's who's apparently gonna <laughs> live forever and probably have the same amount of rushing yards as Damian Harris this year but I, I, that's who I really want to go with and, and Jay Sternberger I wanted to go with him because he was with the Packers and but it, that's really not a good situation either a situation that could be good it would ruin my James Washington shares and my James Washington fandom, but Deontay Johnson uh, from Toledo uh, checked the box with some draft capital too with the Steelers. And I don't know, I, I don't know, I can't find the tweet. I don't know, it's, it's buried. But I was talking about how the fact that he had like two thousand all-purpose yards a couple seasons back, uh, and the guy can—he's a return monster. So he's immediately going to give the team value there. He's going to stick on that roster right away. And I think if you can work into snaps, he's going to be a guy who can flex into multiple roles. And he had to kind of move around because his teammate, uh, who was the wide receiver one for Toledo, Cody Thompson, uh, was injured. And he was kind of thrust into a role where he was taking on a massive market share uh, at times for Toledo in that offense. So he's somebody that, that I, I, I am willing to gamble on late second just because of the Steelers' track record here recently of just absolutely nailing the wide receiver proje- uh, position. And really his production profile in, in terms of balance as a prospect, I think he's underrated as well. So that's the, the last pick of the mock. You're welcome, everyone, uh, for that one. So. Hey, thank you. <laughs> Mr. Yeah, Irrelevant. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, seriously, uh, lots of these picks were Mr. Irrelevant. No, I'm just kidding. Um, thank you so much, uh, Travis, for joining us today, bringing your rookie knowledge in here and uh, helping us out with this first rookie mock draft with the uh, new teams all decided. So that's great. Yeah, I'm glad glad that you guys uh, invited me. I really just love talking rookies any chance I get, and uh, it's fun to see a bunch of these guys that really, you know, we we quote unquote thought shouldn't be in the conversation just be thrust into that conversation, and and it's frustrating to see those guys we liked disappear. But this class, man, I I, I hope it's better than we think it is. 
right now. I, I hope there are, there are more yeah. hits than we think because uh, it's it's a confusing mess right now. I'm with you on that. And uh, real quick, before we get out of here, got to remind you that we have a Trophy Smack giveaway. If you go to our Facebook page, Instagram page, or our Twitter, uh, you can find a link there that will be uh, take you over to Trophy Smack, and you can enter. I believe it's a contest. Is that correct, Betts? Do you, do you know more about the contest? Yes. Any trophy purchase from now until May 2nd, so it's only a few days, um, will be entered to win a free Saquon Barkley jersey. So it is a giveaway as long as you purchase a trophy. Yeah, now, so get in on that. Yeah. Can I or can I not purchase a trophy for winning this mock draft? Uh, you can. It will just be illegal. <laughs> so, yes, go help our uh, friends at Trophy Smack. Buy, buy a trophy, Okada, and then we'll we'll talk to them. Make sure you do not get the jersey. Oh. <laughs> yeah, so uh, make sure you check that out. And also check out RedshirtsFantasyFootball.com. So we can buy there. Check out our rankings, including our freshly updated rookie rankings. So, once again, thank you for listening. We are... The Red Shirts. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast. Hit us up on Twitter at RedShirtsFFPod and check out our website, RedShirtsFantasyFootball.com.